0: Welcome to the Bethel Church Sermon of the Week. You'll be able to find your weekly sermon podcasts in multiple languages at bethel.com forward slash podcasts, as well as all other major podcast players. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Bill Johnson. To access other resources, visit bethel.tv or shop.bethel.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, thanks. Well, uh, by the way, Ben Fitz and I think three or four of his team—they're going into Ukraine to preach the gospel. So that uh, yeah. run towards the fight—it's like them war horses. Yeah, if you've ever read about war horses, they're they're literally trained for war, and when they hear battle, they run towards it. And, uh, and they could, there's actually stories of them standing next to a burning building. And even though they're getting burned by the fires, if they've been told to hold still, they hold still. And uh, so, all right. Bad conclusion to a good point. Oh, well, oh, well. Uh, thanks so much for uh, all your prayers for Benny. Um, she has had some couple, several good nights of sleep, which is Great progress. Real, real thankful. We have an uh, important uh, uh, doctor's appointment this week, so we will have more information for you. But just thank you. I understand there's like ten thousand, over ten thousand people just signed up for the weekly slots, and they couldn't all fit. So, so there are more praying. But that's a whole bunch. That's like, please that's that's impressive. Uh, a pastor had dinner the home of a couple in his church. After he left, the wife said to the husband, I think he stole our spoon. This bothered her for a whole year. A year later, the couple had the pastor over for dinner again. Unable to resist, the wife asked, did you steal our spoon last year? The pastor replied, no, I put it inside your Bible. <laughs> That's like my favorite all time story right there. That, <clears throat> <laughs> that's an anointed joke that's it. that carries the anointing right there my grandpa told me he got to see the Titanic and that from the beginning he told them not to get on board because he knew it was going to sink but no one listened he repeatedly told them until the minute he got kicked out of the movie theater <laughs> That's, that's, that's just dumb. I'm, I'm, I'm going to follow it, dumb with dumber. Dumb and dumber. <laughs> One more. My wife tells me I have two major faults I don't listen, and something else. <laughs> 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 uh, uh. Open your Bibles, Gospel of Matthew, uh, Chapter 6, Gospel of Matthew, Chapter 6. Actually, yesterday I, I was thinking and praying about this today, and, and I, I kept feeling my heart pulled towards the whole thing with the, the U- Ukrainian people. Oh, by the way, uh, how many of you went to the Festival of Cultures last night? It was a, <laughs> I, I love that event so much. And there was a, a table there uh, with our Ukrainian students. I don't know if any of them are in the room, but got to talk with some of them about their contact with the family members. And and one of them said, yeah, in our town, uh, they dropped bombs in the city, but they didn't explode. They're just, they unexploded bombs. So it kind of fits the story that uh, was told a minute ago. So yeah, so we're thankful. But I, I've just been, I, I have, I, you know, you have to almost be brain dead to not be, Moved by some of these crises and these stories. But oftentimes, we don't really know what to do. I mean, we know to pray, but can I say this without being uh, uh, accusational, just uh, uh, honest? Sometimes our prayers are token prayers to make us feel better about responding to crisis, and they're not necessarily prayers to make a difference. And the Lord has actually called us and positioned us to make a difference in our co-laboring relationship through prayer. The, to me, one of the, the greatest mysteries in the Bible is the fact that we were designed to co-labor with God. And uh, it, it fascinates me most every day of my life. And a prayer is, is one of those moments where where, um, where, we see it the clearest. And so I wanna to talk to you about prayer today, but most of what I'm gonna do is I'm going to actually review things that we've heard, that we've said amen to. But I I feel like, I feel like probably for at least a few of us, uh, some of the things that I'm going to talk to you about have been put on the back burner and they need to be on the front burner. They need to be right up front because of the moment that we live in. You were designed to be alive at this moment. Honestly, if, if that phrase in Esther for such a time as this, if it ever applied to anybody, it applies to you right now. You've had many opportunities to die and you're still here. <clears throat> It's, it's the truth, I mean, it's, let's, let's be honest. Every time you drive down the road, somebody could have a heart attack and pull in front of you and that's it. The, the point is, is God has strategically arranged for you as a representative of his world to be positioned here to make a difference. When he gave us the assignment to pray, he never told us to pray to keep us busy. He did not create prayer as a Christian activity to occupy our time or to occupy our thoughts or to engage us emotionally uh, knowing that we'll never see the fulfillment of what we're praying. It's just to keep us hopeful until we die or Jesus returns. It's an insult to the design of prayer. The design of prayer comes out of this place where he says, come up here. It's an engagement with the heart of the Father Here's what the scripture says. Number one, I have been blessed, Ephesians 1, 3. I have, past tense, been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ in heavenly places. It is all in my account. Warning, it's not all in in my possession. And the Christian life is learning to make withdrawals. Many people boast that they have everything, but they can't display anything. (laughs) what I just said. So he's positioned us in this co-laboring role to partner with the Father because the Father is looking for someone who will stand in a place of influence through prayer, not by your title, but by your assignment to stand before a righteous father and contend on behalf of those who are in crisis or in need. You are alive. For such a time as this. I want to give you about a 45 minute long sermon in five minutes so that don't, don't, you're not getting off easy, so I can go into the second one. <laughs> so don't, don't, don't pack your bags yet. You're not getting off that easy. Honestly, I, I want to set the stage for something that I think is, a, is, for me anyway, was one of the great mysteries of prayer. Hopefully this will bring clarification so we can build. And we're going to, we're going to actually look at the Lord's Prayer today. Uh, as we've said so many times, I don't think the Lord's Prayer, that title, is a good title. I mean, it works because we know where it is. But um, it wasn't his prayer, because in the prayer is the confession of sin, and he had no sin. It was a model prayer. I like, personally, I like to refer to it as an apostolic prayer because the apostolic mandate is to get the blueprint of heaven and implement it here on earth until this world reflects the nature of that one. That's the apostolic mandate. And that is the essence of this prayer that God has given us to pray. I, I, I'm sorry, I need, to, I need to ramble a minute longer. Maybe two or three. I... Uh, I was watching The Chosen. I don't remember now. Three weeks ago, which I love The Chosen. And I was watching this segment where Jesus, I think he sat on like the edge of his bed or his cot or something, and he went through a a Hebrew prayer. And then I saw the disciples do it, and I thought, I like that. Something clicked in my heart. It may not in yours, but it clicked in my heart, and I thought, the discipline of a repeated prayer that you refuse to reduce to repetition but you keep it alive, there is power in that prayer. And so I I have taken it on in the last recent weeks just to take this Lord's Prayer and pray it uh, when I get up in the morning and to pray it when I go to bed at night. Now, I don't think Jesus gave us that prayer to be prayed. I believe it's a pattern prayer. It's an outline prayer. But when I pray it, every phrase is pregnant with meaning. So it's more than just Uh, a a rope prayer and instead it is it is packed with heart that says our father and it it starts with there in this engagement with the almighty god who has invited me to co-labor with him and make a difference on earth you are alive to make a difference on the planet and our prayers are to count they are to have effect now one more one more comment in this regard i think one more one or possibly two or three more comments in this regard and then we'll start (laughs) We'll start with Sermon 1. When he invites us into this place to pray, it's not as though I've been assigned to persuade him. I've been assigned to engage with him. We'll talk about that a little bit more later. For such a time as this, he doesn't give us the exercise of prayer to keep us busy. He gives us the assignment to pray because of his intention to fulfill the prayers that we pray. There's two basic kinds of prayers that I wanna take a quick look at and uh, and so we'll, we'll we'll do that and then we'll we'll see if we can make sense of this. Go to um, Matthew chapter six and let's start with verse seven. This is the five-minute sermon. It Starts right now. Oh boy, I better hurry. All right. When you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask. I love that. He says, <clears throat> he says, when you pray, don't repeat your prayer over and over and over and over and over again. The heathen pray that way because they think that by praying a prayer over and over again, they can earn the answer. They engage with God who gives them points for repeated prayers. Don't do that. That's what the heathen do. And then the reasoning behind that, he says, for your father knows what you have need of. To come before my Father, first of all, it doesn't remove from me the responsibility to pray for my daily needs. Here it says, Give us this day our daily bread. So the very next verses, he gives the assignment to pray for our daily needs. So it's not, He knows what you need, so don't pray. He doesn't say that. He says, He knows what you need, so come before Him as a father who does not be, need to be persuaded to take care of his children be a part of the ever evolving economy of heaven where in your partnership you make agreement to see the release of his supply and his abundance but it comes from the heart of a father who's looking for the the needs of his children he's not the uh, manager of an orphanage the caretaker of an orphanage making sure that you have three meals and a cot to sleep on a coat to wear in the winter he's not he's not someone who just basically takes care of your needs, but your wants is something else. That's not the way he is. He is a father who cares for your needs. So bring it before him. And because you know he's a loving father, because you know what he's like, you know, you don't need to pray that prayer a hundred times because he heard you the first time. Give us this day our daily bread. If you belabor the prayer, it doesn't mean he won't provide. It just comes out of a misunderstanding of who he is as your father. It was better than your response. I know that much for sure. All right. Now go to Matthew 7, and we'll we'll take the other part of this. Verse 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock, and it will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks, it will be opened. The original language here says, Ask and continue asking. All right, chapter 6, don't continue asking. Chapter seven, continue asking. <laughs> I love that. I love these conflicts in scripture because they're all invitations. They're all invitations. Many people take the, the conflicting thoughts and they get rid of one and just give all their weight behind the, the one they agree with or understand. These two work together. What is it? Number one, he says in, John, in Mark six, Matthew six, I'll get it. One of the guys said it, and we read it. Your father knows what you have of. Don't do that repeated prayer thing. But by the time we get to chapter 7, he says, knock, continue knocking, seek, continue to seek, ask, continue to seek. Why? Verse, um, verse 11, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Chapter 6 is needs. Chapter 7 is dreams. Chapter 6 is your basic needs. Chapter 7 is the good gifts that a father awards his children with. What's the difference? The one-time prayer of chapter 6, daily prayer for provision, is because of who he is as a father. The repeated prayer changes me. It's not a prayer that persuades God. It's a prayer that transforms me as one who continually stays before him with the same issue on my heart day after day after day. It transforms me so that I become a person who could properly steward the answer that I'm contending for. The dreams that, that fill this room right here were birthed in your heart by God. But many of us lack the confidence to stay before him in prayer because we feel sometimes like, well, he didn't answer it the first time we prayed, so it must not be his will. Or I fasted three days and nothing happened. So we sacrifice the very thing he birthed in us, he put in us. And he, he gives us the assignment to knock and continue knocking because something changes in me. Where I engage with him and the more you engage with God over a given subject, the more he transforms you into the person needed, necessary, to be a proper steward of that answer. All right, right, first one's over. Let's go to the Lord's Prayer. <clears throat> Verse 9, Matthew, even though many of you can quote it, I do encourage you, please look at it in your Bible. It's something about seeing it and saying it. Verse 9 of chapter 6 of Matthew, In this manner, therefore, pray, and the glory forever, amen. Go back to verse nine, our Father. The Western church has fashioned the gospel in such a way that the emphasis, the primary emphasis is on individual fulfillment. The fulfillment of my call, the fulfillment of my dreams, the fulfillment of what I wanna see from my family, and my family line. There is a place for that because God has no grandchildren. Everyone must come in personal relationship with him and place their faith in Christ for their salvation. So there is the individual. But listen to me. Some prayers are so large, they cannot be answered for the individual. They can only be answered in the whole for a body, for a church family, even a spiritual nation. Our father, not my father, our Father, who art in heaven. The scripture says that I am seated with him in heavenly places. This kind of a prayer is not me in the middle of a problem shouting out to God who I hope hears me so that he can come and rescue me. Instead, it is me, one who has been raised up in the resurrected Christ to be with him and to engage with him to see his purposes, his plans, his desires fulfilled on the planet. What is his will on earth as it is in heaven? That is the mandate we've been given. Everything is measured by that mandate. So we start with our Father. One of the things that's very hard for us to deal with in the Western world is is to, uh, in the Western church specifically, <clears throat> is this thought that one person can can sin, and to have it affect somebody else's life. Well, that just isn't right, but it's true. It's a reality. It's a reality. It doesn't mean we are, we are, are, are uh, merciless at the hand of other people's choices, but it does mean we are affected. When Cain killed Abel, God showed up and said, where's your brother? And his response was, am I my brother's keeper? And the answer is, yes. yes. Actually, you are. See, what we don't always understand is that we are actually members of one another. This thumb is alive because this hand is alive. The hand dies, the thumb thumb goes with it. Do you understand? There is something about, there is an aspect of the Christian life, of this walk with Christ, that is completely dependent on one another. It's not the part that is emphasized a lot, but it is true. Achan, in, in the scripture, when he, he sinned, and uh, 15, I think, uh, maybe it's 35, a whole bunch of Israeli soldiers that had obeyed God the day before died in the next battle because of Achan's sin. Injust? Not when your are family. Right. Come on, sir. There are certain things that happen when you understand that we actually are members of one another. So this prayer While it is an apostolic prayer, the blueprint of heaven implemented here on earth, it is a prayer for a family. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, revered, honored, feared is your name. Praying prayers, understanding the fear of God doesn't weaken your prayer. It intensifies. It takes a broad prayer and turns it into a laser beam in its effectiveness. Because the fear of God is the qualifier of everything effective in the Christian life. Hallowed be your name. Many people take the Lord's name in vain and, and uh, I, I remember working in a, a police station once. I was cleaning a cleaning City Hall and Police Department. I was a... I was a uh, Custodial engineer, <laughs> janitor, janitor, janitor yeah. yeah. And I remember I when I was in the city hall, and a guy blurted out, "Jesus Christ!" He was, he was working in the city hall for the city, and, and I said, "Man, if, if you just knew him, you wouldn't you wouldn't use his name like that." It grieves me to hear that, whether it's on TV or with another person. I, I don't feel the need to try to correct everybody, but it happens occasionally. That same night, I was in the police department and the dispatcher, we were talking, and he did the same thing. I said, man, if you knew him, you wouldn't. The first guy got mad at me, I had to leave. He was mad at me, but the second guy said, if you knew him, you wouldn't use his name like that. He said, I am so sorry. That's disrespecting the name. But the more common way the name is respected when his name is used in vain, is by believers who say, God told me, when he didn't. Hallowed be your name. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. It's interesting, the scripture teaches us that the name of the Lord is a hiding place, but that hiding place puts you out of reach, not out of sight. that hiding place puts you out of reach. The enemy cannot reach you, but he is forced to look at your victory. He is forced to look at your safety. He is forced to look at the power of the name Jesus that completely covers you, that Jesus so unselfishly gave to you for you to use at your disposal for his purposes. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jack Taylor, a number of years ago, helped us to understand this verse, helped me to understand this verse quite a bit better. Because of the verb tense, which I, I, it's above my pay grade, so I just have to point to Jack, say he knows. Especially knows right now he's in heaven, so. But he said the verb tense here, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done, actually can be quoted like this. Will of God, be done. Kingdom of God, come. Will of God be done. It's it's actually a command. It's a command. It's not a command aimed at God. He has already made agreement. He has already created within his system of prayer to fulfill that cry of his people. And so he invites us into that place. Remember, heavenly placed conversation where we make the decree we see the heart of the Father, we feel the compassion of the Lord for a given situation, and we stand with the Father in the name of Jesus, and we see a problem, and we declare, kingdom of God, come. Will of God, be done. The greatest definition for me in the Bible of the will of God is on earth as it is in heaven. It's such a broad, general prayer that it's easy to, to pray it and not be able to monitor your answers. Does it make sense to you? Answers to prayer is what strengthens you for more prayer. Answers for prayer strengthen you for more prayer. Actually gives you the motivation, the impetus to to contend for even more, because we saw answers to prayer. Well, a prayer like that, kingdom of God come, on earth as it is in heaven, is a pretty large prayer. If you don't know how it's answered, you won't be encouraged by its answers. Wow. What does it look like for the kingdom of come, kingdom of God to come? Every time you have a depressed friend that you're able to encourage, the kingdom came. You have that suicidal neighbor that you're able to talk with and pray with over a period of a week or two, and at the end of two weeks that thing is broken off and you no longer have that drive. Guess what? That deliverance happened because the kingdom came that migraine headache that torments that person you work with at the office that you prayed for that hasn't had one in three weeks the kingdom came and if you don't understand that's the fulfillment of this cry that we've been positioned to make kingdom of god come will of god be done our life is implementing the reality of that world and releasing it into this one that's life that's prayer but hear me don't pray it if you're not going to follow with obedience. Don't pray it, O oh, kingdom of God, come, if you're going to do nothing that he can say amen to. Because it is our obedience that, that uh, gives him the target to strike. I thought so. I, 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 thought, it, I thought it was a pretty good point myself. I'm working hard, anyway, I know that much. Give us this day our daily bread. Notice, notice this prayer. Give us this day. This prayer is not a prayer for my provision. It's a prayer for our provision. I, I'm sure you've done that, but I, I have my doubts that most of us, our prayers for provision have been about the us. It's been more about the me. Give us this day our daily bread. He leads into this prayer with saying, your father knows what you have need of before you ask. But then he says, ask. The, the, the mere posture of asking shows, number one, my obedience. And number two, my understanding of how this system works. I stand, I request, he responds. I found a couple translations, I think three yesterday. I've got one here, let me read to you. I think this is William Barclay. He said, um, give us today our bread for the coming day. Another translation says, give us today tomorrow's bread. Many of us are accustomed to God answering prayers at 1159. But that may not be by his design. It may be because that's when we pray best. Many of us have created a theology around the God who comes in at the last moment. But this prayer says, give me today, tomorrow's bread. To me, that's a prayer of unusual abundance. And here's the problem with, our, with the way many of us have done life is that we have felt that our promotions, our blessings, our answers to prayer, our breakthroughs, or for us, not realizing that the breakthrough has to benefit the people around me or it was misused. When, all right, when you pray, oh God, increase the anointing for healing in my life, who is it for? It's measured by the other people you, you touch. The, the whole point is, when we pray our Father, we are saying, God, do something in me, in us, that benefits the whole. And the moment my contending for breakthrough hits a place where I think it's about me, the breakthrough levels off. There is no limit to what God would release over an individual if the breakthrough was released upon them to benefit the people around them. Give us today tomorrow's bread. I'd like to suggest that in maturity, the Lord is bringing us to a place where he can trust us with more than we need for now. Because we have already engaged in give us this day. It's about us. The early church, there was not one person who lacked anything because they understood the us. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us today, tomorrow's bread. And forgive us our debts, our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Once again, this uh, translation I, I saw yesterday, I really liked. Forgive us our failures in our duty to you, as we have forgiven those who have failed in their duty to us. I don't know if you're seeing this, The prayer for provision is a daily responsibility. Number two, the repentance, the need to confess sin of the slightest attitude that was off. It's not a guilt-shame game. It's a sensitivity to the heart of God that is so constant that I don't want to end any day with an attitude that was wrong, a careless word that was spoken for it to be undealt with. We know the scripture says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't go to bed mad, why? Because if you do, that thing will foul and fester in your heart, set down roots, and begin to affect your personality. It becomes very deeply rooted. And this is a lifestyle of repentance and forgiveness that is to be maintained every single day. Forgive us our sins, us, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, <laughs> but deliver us from the evil. And lead us not to temptation. This is another one of those conflict ideas in the Bible, which, which I, I like so much. I, I quote often for you the Proverbs passage. that says, uh, Don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Very next verse. Answer a fool according to his folly. Yeah, let's keep you wise in his own eyes. I, I misquoted it. Don't answer a fool according to his folly for some good reason. <laughs> then answer a fool. Here we have ask God not to lead you into temptation. Yet James says it is impossible for him to lead you into temptation. So why pray it? I think it's important for us not to live in shame from our past but to live in the realization that we can fail. And there's something about that, I call it poor in spirit. Again, not shame, not beating ourselves up. That's not humility. That's, That's a subtle form of pride. But coming to the Lord, realizing I too can fall. Galatians talks about this. You who are trying to restore a brother who has fallen, remember you too can fall. In other words, do it with gentleness. If you do it with arrogance, thinking you're something, you're creating a failure of your own. So this posture of humility before the Lord lead me not into temptation. But uh, the uh, the way I like to look at this story a little better. Let's say that let's say I'm really struggling, struggling financially. And Chris and I go out to lunch. I'm going to make him the hero of my story. He liked it the first time, so I'll, I'll try it again. We go out to lunch, and, and, uh, and I'm, let's just say, I'm really, I'm really struggling. And uh, we sit down at the table, and he excuses himself. We just get there, and I sit down, and, and uh, he goes to use the restroom. And, and I'm sitting there, and I look in between the salt and pepper shaker, and there's a $100 bill folded up there that the waitress obviously didn't see when she cleaned the table. And I'm looking at the $100 bill, recognizing my need, Thinking, Jehovah Jireh, <laughs> God has provided for me in mysterious ways. And then I realize, of course, that's the spirit of stupid. I'm not going to do that. I rebuke that day. There's no way. And I, I, I get over it, and, and I don't take the money. Chris comes back from the restroom, sits down, and he, for the first time, notices the money sitting there between the salt and pepper shaker. He sees it. He grabs it. He says, Man, somebody left a good tip. And he gets the wait- waitress's attention and gives her the $100. Neither of us took the money, but it was appealing to one of us. Sometimes it's the condition of your heart that makes a normal circumstance appealing to do wrong. God didn't create the desire to do wrong. Does that make any sense at all? There's a a difference here. So this prayer, lead us not to temptation, is basically, God, as you lead me today, take my stupidity into your consideration. (laughs) You know things about me I've never seen, I don't know about, and probably a bunch I'm not even willing to admit to. But please, as you lead me today, I only want to honor you. Does that make any sense? Yes. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Paul gives a warning in Ephesians 4, don't give place to the devil. And it was written to what I think anyway, historically was the most mature church, at least of its time, the church at Ephesus. Not one correction in there. The only epistle that didn't have a word of correction in it was church to the church at Ephesus. And yet in them he warned them. Don't give place to the devil because it's possible for a believer to give the enemy a legal opportunity to kill, steal, destroy. So this prayer is an important prayer. But please notice again, it's not just a prayer. me praying for me. It's me praying for us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Go ahead and stand, and I wanna end with one more point. If you stand, then I have to end. Okay, just hold, hold tight, please, if you would. Here's what I want you to notice. How does this prayer start? Our Father, how does it end? For thine is the kingdom. You can go through the whole prayer and miss the main point. Every bit of information and conversation about the kingdom of God is about family. Our Father, for thine is the kingdom. All kingdom issues are family issues. And you may say, well, I come from a broken home, I don't know how that could apply. Listen, if everybody in the room had the most perfect family on the planet, it still wouldn't apply directly to you. It would apply to us as the family of God. The family on earth is a shadow of what God has made us to be together. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory. The whole point is, this: we are not part of an institution. We're not part of some kind of religious organization where a living family, members of one another, and when we talk about seeking first the kingdom, we're actually talking about the privilege of fighting on behalf of another person to taste of the beauty and the wonder of God's will in their life at a level they've never seen before. This is about us. I'm hoping that from today, yes, pray for Ukraine. There are specific ways we can pray because of what we've shared today. But I'm hoping it goes beyond the immediate crisis. And it goes into the way we approach the father and we start praying more intentionally for that other business to prosper as well. For that other family to conceive and have a child. For that other family. There's somebody right over here that is asking to give, to uh, be able to conceive and you've not been able to. And I believe it's the word of the Lord to release that, that gift to you. That's right, right in the arcs. I saw it. So the Lord is releasing that grace, I believe, over this church family to also pray the us prayers, the we prayers, the our prayer, our Father. Father, I pray for this family, for our online family, that you would teach us how to pray. Thanks. Teach us. He's assigned us to shape the course of history through prayer. Prayer that shapes the course of history. That's our assignment. So teach us to engage so deeply with your heart that what we pray matters. Amen. One last thing. I want to know if there's anyone here who's never made a personal commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never committed your life to him. You've never been what the Bible calls born again. You don't know what it is to be forgiven, to be brought into a family, but you'd be wanting to say today, I don't want to leave the building until I know I have truly found peace with God, that I've been forgiven of sin. If that's you, put a hand up real quick, right where you are. I want to give opportunity for everyone. If you're online doing this, uh, please, uh, we have pastors online that will talk and pray with you. All right. It looks like everybody's in. All right. Bless you, bless you, bless you, Thanks for listening to the Bethel Church Sermon of the Week. If you'd like to partner with us in discipling nations and fueling personal revival, you have the opportunity to give at Bethel.tv forward slash podcasts forward slash donate. Let's bring heaven to earth together. Have a blessed day.